Hey, welcome back. Hey, look at here. I just want to say good evening, good afternoon, good morning. I don't know when you're going to listen to this. Uh, I would like to welcome you to Big Babies Podcast. Because I'm wearing a suit today, I think I'm going to talk in a nice, soft uh, uh, Adam voice. For those of you who went to college with me, y'all, y'all, y'all know the Adam voice. And I think that's how we're going to pod today. Um, I got a great, great show here for you. I'm back. I took two weeks off, uh, but y'all know I'm full of shit. Hey, 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 it's the big motherfucking baby. And I'm back. Welcome back to me. And I am here to present a podcast to you. Got a lot on my mind. I recorded a pod like two weeks ago that I was gonna put out, maybe a week ago. I don't remember. Time, time be, I be, I be forgetting what I be doing. But I had something for you all, um, and I just didn't put it out. It's not dated material, so I'll get it out. It was a great time sending out my guy Pie. It's really so much in the archives right now, but you gotta forgive me sometimes, man. I got a busy schedule, and sometimes hey, I just don't get around to podding or editing or doing whatever else it takes to make this thing happen. But Neither here nor there. Let's get started. Let's get started. You know, people say the internet isn't reality, but I I don't necessarily agree with that statement. I, I truly believe that the internet is reality. You just have to go to the right parts of the internet to find what is what is real. Now, we, we often think of social media as the only form of internet when we talk about stuff because that is the place where people are often engaging. So Twitter, Twitter isn't reality. And if you live in the, uh, the Twitter bubble or the Twitter sphere as they call it, and you think that what is reflective in Twitter, then you're wrong. And you, and you know what, you're probably an elitist, but that's neither here nor there. Twitter, Twitter is, is, is a millennial extremist. A lot of talking, with no bite, a lot of bite, a lot of bark with no bite, full of ideas with no plan of action, just 140 characters. Now, middle America, Facebook, Facebook is where you find middle America. There's so much different stuff going on Facebook. You have young people, you have old people, you have middle-aged people. You just have all types of different people from all different walks of life on Facebook. You got pictures, you got long posts, you can do a story. You kind of just get it all on Facebook. But again, that's for a crowd that's on social media. Then you have Instagram. And I like to say that Instagram are your rich elitist company, right? You have pictures depicting a life that a lot of people want and desire. So, when, when, when taking all this into, into consideration and looking at the internet, you have to understand that you truly want to focus on facts, right? We want to find facts. We want to find what's real. And what's real is on Google, because there you can find facts, news, entertainment, videos, whatever it is that you need, you can find on Google. And as a politician, if you want to win an election, you have to be on Google and not just on social media, because if you do, you will be confused. Todd is calling me right now as I'm recording, so I'm going to answer. Um, 
fuck him. I'm messing up my opening monologue. But anyways, and I just think it's so important not to not to cater to just social media because as we saw on Super Tuesday, social media had had one candidate in mind, <laughs> but the polls had another. And we're going to talk a little bit of politics today, but we're not going to we're not going to get into my political preferences. We're just going to talk about some facts and a couple of of um, opinions. So understand that there there are levels, there are layers to all of this, but in order to be, to understand what truly goes on in the world, you got to be, you have to be everywhere. You have to be on Instagram. You have to be on Twitter. You have to be on Facebook. But more importantly, you have to be on Google. You have to be looking for facts. You have to be engaging with people because if you're just taking what is comfortable to you or what's comfortable to your demographic, then you will fall up, fall short. So a, a big thing I've been hearing in the news this week is this term electability. And I think it's really important to talk about uh, electability because it, there's an election coming up and there is a difference between what you like and what you think is the most effective means to lead in the country and what is actually electable. So we're just going to look up what electability means, okay? The definition of electability at dictionary.com is capable or having a reasonable chance of being elected uh, to public office. Not going to say any names here. But a lot of people provide traits that you may like, that I may like, but America as a whole, well, America as a whole will never like the same traits, but 50%, 50 plus one, whatever, the fucking, uh, what's that thing called? The Electoral College may not like. And as much as people like to, excuse me, poo-poo on the Electoral College, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but it does have some merits because if one person appeals to a particular demographic that may be that may be more uh, populous but not more diverse, then they can win. If you can appeal to the coast, <laughs> population-wise, you can win an election, but that does not necessarily appeal to the different types of people in different places throughout the country. You may only be affecting a smaller portion of the country as opposed to the entire country, and the typical American individual. So you look at socialist versus centrist, and I think those are the two, two things that we want to talk about. The word socialist is just being overly politicized in, in today's uh, politics. We have people talking about being a socialist in a good way, and then we have other people talk, talking about socialist being a bad thing. Socialist is a word that triggers people. <laughs> Yes, it's a very triggering word and triggers some for good and some for bad. But typically in American culture, socialism is seen as bad. So if you want to use socialism as a means to, if you want to put socialism on Facebook, you're probably not going to get much love. You talk about it on Twitter, they're going to eat it up. So as a person who's trying to win an election, I believe that you have to be wise with your words because words do have meaning. Uh, we can complain all day about semantics, but it matters. It may not matter to you, it may not matter to me, but it matters to a lot of people. So just to try to, you know, provide some background and maybe even provide some education for some of you all on some of the, of, of what is this whole socialism piece that we have going on out here, right? It's unfair to compare some of these socialistic ideas to what goes on in Venezuela because 
a lot of the issues in Venezuela comes from their one source economy, which was oil exports and a lot of the corruption that goes on down there that is not particularly aligned with America. Okay. So for any of you people who are afraid that if a certain person were to get elected, that we're going to turn into a socialist state like Venezuela, it's not going to happen. It runs counter to American ideals. But what we should look at and what should be said more often is that we're looking to have a more socialist democracy with mixed economics, right? The market will still drive what happens, but then it's going to take a certain level of trust with the government, which many people don't have, and increase tax dollars, whether we spread it out amongst the rich and the poor, or we concentrate towards the rich to make that happen. But again, here in America, it's very difficult to make that happen because the economic, the, the, just the, 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 the gap between the rich and the poor is so wide that a fair tax just isn't, just isn't real, okay? So in order to generate enough income to get there, it's just not going to happen. And again, I am not advocating one mindset or the other, just pointing out facts for you all. And with the military industrial complex that we have in America, look, it's just not going to happen, okay? And I can agree there's too much market here. Some people, like the market drives a little bit too much. I think there are things that we could give up in our personal lives, especially the top, the top 10 percenters, to help a lot of other people out. Like you, you won't miss it outside of somebody saying they're taking it away from you. But at the end of the day, I understand that here in America, that's an uncomfortable conversation to have. And the idea of telling somebody, hey, I'm going to take this and give it to somebody else that you don't even know, that you don't even like, you don't even care about, is absolutely wild. And if I had it, <laughs> I can't say today that I'll be the most happy person about it. But I don't know how I'd feel because I'm not in that situation. Um, so words matter. And we just have to make sure that th that the messaging is proper. And I think one of the failures on some of the people who are trying to push some of these socialistic ideas that they use the word wrong words because that buzzword socialism turns a lot of people off automatically. You just have to find a way to package the, the message better if that's the message that you want to push. You have to let people know, hey, here's examples of this already. But then not just try to like flood everybody and tell them that they are morally wrong because they disagree with you. The idea of telling somebody who busts their ass every day, works hard for a living, hasn't been to anyone's college, that their tax dollars are going to go to pay off somebody's student loans, I think that's a hard sell. I, I, I really think that's a hard sell. The idea that you want to make someone who is less educated and maybe even less financially stable pay for the debts of another person who made a calculated decision to take on debt because they thought the long-term value was worth it is a hard sell. And back to the military industrial complex with the size of the American military, with the disparity between the rich and the poor here, it's next to impossible to getting a lot of this social legislation 
past. But I think we can find it in our hearts and in our pockets somewhere to ensure that people are getting a proper education and 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 healthcare. And I mean proper education K through 12. I'm not talking about post-secondary education because the idea of making college free is crazy to me because I think trade schools are very important. People need job skills. Everybody is not made for college. College is not for everybody. And if you send everybody to college, you actually lose the value of what college offers. But people who don't go to college should not be looked at as lesser than or anything like that. I, I just think that, hey, some things are for some people. Some things aren't. It is what it is. Next topic. Hey, look here, dog. If you're a grown-ass man, don't tell me you triggered by anything that I say. You can be bothered. You can be perturbed. You can be peeved. You can be pissed off. You can be frustrated. You can be annoyed. But, bro, don't tell me you triggered. I'm triggered. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chilombo drop tomorrow. But, look, I don't want to hear about you being triggered. Even if you are triggered, I respect the fact that you may be triggered, but don't tell me you triggered, grown-ass man. I really don't want anybody to tell me you're, you're triggered because I just think everybody is triggered by every little thing today. I don't think people have resilience anymore. I don't think it's like, oh, you know what? What you said bothers me. Okay, I'm going to shoot you two middle fingers, and I'm going to just walk away. I'm going to tune you out. I'm going to put my headphones in. Not like the whole, let me, let me block you culture, because I think that's nuts, too. Like, oh, somebody said something I don't like. Block. Or instead of you blocking, being triggering, why don't you have a conversation? And I get it. Everything, it triggers something, right? For every actor, the equal and opposite reaction. I feel like I've talked about that on this pod like every other podcast. But it just seems to be something that always needs to be talked about. But the thing about these triggers is you got to learn to control your triggers because if your trigger's always getting pulled, that means you're always shooting. And every now and then it's okay to shoot in self-defense, but you don't always want to be shooting at people because if you're always shooting at people, you're going to eventually kill somebody. And if you kill one person, okay, that's one thing. If you kill two people, that's another thing. Then you become a serial killer. And I'm not talking about literally killing people. I'm talking about killing your relationships. I'm talking about killing different situations, killing friends, ki- killing, killing, killing girlfriends, killing boyfriends, killing wives, because you're always triggered by things. And you're not working through your problems. You're not trying to just address the root of it. You're just, oh, I'm triggered. I'm going to cut you off. Kill them. But eventually... It goes from being a mass killer to a suicide mission. Kamikaze. You done killed everybody off, and now you're stuck by yourself. And the gun's pointing back at you, and you get triggered one more time, and pow, you're dead. Not literally dead, but dead on the inside. You're alone. Or you're surrounded by people who are exactly like you, who don't challenge you, who don't push you. So essentially, you're dead because you're not growing. And if you're not growing, you're dying. So don't be so quick to be triggered by everything. Hell, put that thing on safe sometimes. So when somebody pull that trigger, nothing happens. Build those calluses. Build that 
that resilience so that when things that may rub you the wrong way, they bounce off of, you know, I'm rubbing you glue, whatever you say, bounce off me and sticks to you. <laughs> you feel me? Because for us to learn and grow as a people, we have to be able to look past our differences, work together, and not always be triggered. Although is although if uh, Janae wants to pull my trigger, I got all the smoke for her, baby. You too, Big Sean. And I like your music, but understand, <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> that's Janae. That's Bay. Let's see, where we at? Where we at? Where we at? Where we at? So I saw this post, uh, I think it was this week, and it was a dude in a crew neck that says, be you, they'll adjust. And it was funny that I saw that post because I had another conversation with somebody who was, it was pretty much this post about they say you bossy, you keep bossing. If they say you loud, you stay loud and all of this stuff. Look, I'm all about being yourself. If you go back in my archives, I say be unapologetically you. But understand when you are unapologetically you, you're going to have to deal with the consequences of being who you are, whether it's good, whether it's bad. But for you people who think that the world is supposed to adjust to you all the time, you have some mother loving nerve. I ain't going to cuss today. <laughs> you got some nerve to really think that the world is supposed to adjust to you. But I don't, I don't blame you. I blame the parents. I don't blame the kids, like Bernie Mac said. I blame these punk-ass parents, right? Because you got the helicopter parent who's flying over you your whole life, clearing out the path for you so you have no resist. You never have to resist anything. Everything is laid out for you. Then finally, somebody says, hey, man, you suck. You're just not a good person. You're like, oh, well, you should get over it. <sighs> no, I don't have to. Now, if I need something from you, then okay, then we uh, maybe I gotta get over. But the idea that people are supposed to always adjust to you and you're never supposed to adjust to them, it's totally, totally ass a nine, ass a 10, ass 11, like my boy Skip Bayless say. Now, just think if the entire world embraced this, 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 this mindset, everyone has to adjust to me, then what happens? We have no cooperation. We have no negotiation. We have no compromise. We have 7 billion independent people make independent decisions and we don't have a, a, a sophisticated society. But so because you fell into this sophisticated society, you think, oh, I can do whatever I want because people don't. Yeah, okay. And you put a roof, you put a roof over your potential, okay? There is something to be said about cooperation. There's something to be said about teamwork. Sometimes the whole is bigger than the sum of its parts. Sometimes you can do more than what you all could do individually with a group. You understand what I'm saying? So don't be so quick to say, oh, y'all got to adjust to me. You got to pick and choose your battles. Have some discernment when you choose to be, to be, to be, to draw a hard line in the sand. I look at myself sometimes. I'm hard on people. All my friends who know me know I'm hard on them. And when you see relationships with people going away that you don't like it, you go, well, shit, man. Uh, that ain't right. That ain't right. That ain't right. It can only be them so many times. And then eventually you have to look at yourself and say, well, you know what? If I want to continue living a life this way, then uh, <laughs> adjust to me. 
Or if you want to see some change, if you're not happy, you say, you know what? I got to make some adjustments with myself. It's about knowing the temperature of the room. Let's see. What else? What else? What else? But yeah, this saw an interesting post uh, on one of my friend's stories. A little, um, a little. Uh, what are we talking about? It's about destinations. Let me read this to you. Be beware of destination addiction. The idea that happiness is the next place, the next job, or even with the next partner. Until you give up the idea that happiness is somewhere else, it'll never be where you are. Just think about that for a second. If you're always looking elsewhere to be happy, you're never going to be happy because you're always going to be looking for the next thing. If you're always looking elsewhere for success, you're never going to find success because it's going to always be the next thing. Okay? You should be willing and able to grow, mature, and move on from things, right? You should set high standards for yourself in all that you do. But eventually, you got to understand that, hey, it's a cap to this. Eventually, like, you know, you set a a, a soft cap, and then if you want to exceed the soft cap, it's like, okay, everything after this is a bonus. Because if you're always looking for something, you're never going to find anything. Because once you find what you think you want, like, oh, I don't want that no more. Got to find something new. And if that's the way you want to live, if you always want to be on a, on a journey, that's fine. Come along and ride on the fantastic voyage to the land of funk. But just know if you're always looking for the land of funk, you ain't going to never get funky. So my challenge to you, my challenge to myself is figure out what it actually is that makes you happy. Strive to, to get there. Align, uh, position yourself to get what, what makes you happy. Make decisions that make you happy. Speaking of being happy, man, I saw this post from one of them love and hip-hop video rapper, baby mama chick. I don't remember her name. And she said, I ain't never seen nobody tell me no or turn me down. Let me tell you something. Tell you something. Real, 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 real serious, real important. Don't think because somebody want to have sex with you that you're special. Okay? Now, you may be special to someone. But they just want to have sex with you? That don't make you special. Question. Have you heard of masturbation? You know, a lot of people masturbate to porn. Okay. So, the same thing that they're getting from sex a lot of times, you know, that that uh, release, right? A physical release they get from watching somebody else do it. Somebody they don't even know. So, if somebody's willing to Get off to somebody else having sex. <laughs> Don't think you're special. Because <laughs> they're going to get off to having sex with you. Male and female. Okay. That's enough of that. <laughs> this, is a, this is a G-rated podcast, right? <laughs> Let me tell you something, man. I am tired of debate culture. Whether it's debate television, whether it's political debates, just just the debate culture. Now, I'm all for a good back and forth in person. I'm all for a conversation that leads to people growing and being smarter. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah, I'm here for all of that. But the idea that I need to 
put on a TV show to debate some stuff that we don't even really disagree about, we just got to do for ratings, it's bad for society. Okay? You know, your, your first takes, your, your, your undisputed, that political stuff you be watching where they have all these pundits just yelling at each other back and forth, and even actual debates, a Democratic nominee debate. A lot of that stuff is bad for you because it's staged. It's meant to make people be divisive when they don't even want necessarily want to be. But in order to make a point, make themselves stand out, they have to disagree. Because if we come here and agree on everything and have a civil discourse, ooh, that's not going to get ratings. People don't want to watch that. One of the reasons why when I have guests here, I like to, you know, make sure we're going to have a nice conversation about a topic about them. And if we disagree on things, we can have a conversation. But I never want to build a show around me and someone debating. Because then it's probably going to be fake. It's like, oh, we got to disagree about this and this and that. Get out of here. So for people who watch debate shows and really take that stuff to the bank, be careful. Because there are other interests. They're the ratings interest. When it's a political debate, a lot of time there is a person that people want to do well in that debate. So the questions are geared towards those people. They get more time to expound on their response. There are all different types of variables that affect this. Okay? And because it's politics season, I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Don't make your decision based on the, on the debate. Okay? Public speaking is great. Being able to articulate your stance to a large group of people and make it stand out against another person is great. But make sure you're not getting caught up on the debate and you're actually getting caught up on what is being said. Read the platform. Look at the track record. See what these people are actually doing and see if what they're doing is going to affect you. I prefer the town hall setting, right? Where people are there asking questions and they get the opportunity to answer questions from people, but it's not a I got to make myself sound better than this other person. It's in my face. You, you know what I mean? So I challenge you to not build your vote off of the, off of the debates. Just, just, just look at the whole gamut. Like, take it all in. Okay? Man, we selling along today, man. I told y'all. we I didn't tell y'all, but I didn't plan on having a long podcast. And we're not going to pod too long today. Woo. Okay. So in hip-hop, we have the, the med contract, right? Oh, hot girl shit. <laughs> hot girl got burnt. Hot girl got burnt by first contract just like almost every artist. Just like almost anybody who signs up to work for a corporation because you are looking to get something from somebody who doesn't need you as much as you need them typically. Rarely are we as individuals in a situation that we bring more cachet to a conglomerate than they bring to us. You have your rare cases. Okay. So I'm not going to get into the, 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 the whole Meg. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not an entertainment lawyer. I'm not a social media lawyer. I didn't even like any of the law classes I took. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Then I sat in con law for two days and I said, nah, B, this ain't it. 
But I can talk to you about <laughs> making money, capitalism. <laughs> okay? So, for one, yeah, she signed a deal. She probably didn't understand it. A lot of us do that. I promise you, most of you who work for a company, you don't know all of the rules and regulations that you are supposed to follow for your company. You probably don't know all the rules and regulations for your particular job. Similarly here, okay? If she didn't have an independent lawyer, which she probably didn't because at the time she was independent and probably couldn't afford one. If she uses a lawyer from the record label or the production label that she signed to, they're going to tell her what the production label wants her to hear with outline, okay? And now she's picked up steam. She's hot. Yeah, I'm hot, niggas. I'm burning up. Real hot girl shit, right? <laughs> and she wants to renegotiate because she feels like she's worth more than what she was offered initially. Yeah, she probably is. Wouldn't argue that. But guess what? You're signed on the dotted line. There's enough ambiguity here to where I can let you go if you didn't become this, but it's strict enough that you owe me a certain number of albums. Until you give me these albums, <laughs> I got you. Okay? And as a capitalist, right, somebody who wants to make as much money as I can because that's what the production company's trying to do, just like she's trying to make as much money as she can, have to let you out of this shit. I don't have to renegotiate with you. Why would I? That's not what's best for me as the owner of the company. People say, well, they should do it because it's the right thing to do. Right is so subjective. What's right for the record label is not to renegotiate. Okay? What's right for the artist is to renegotiate. So, gotta look at it, look at it at, in that prism. We love, the, we love capitalism when it works for us. And we want people to be more socialist when it works for them or when it works for us, right? We're selfish. And it's okay to be selfish. But don't be mad at the big business, which is not actually a big business. It's a smaller business in this grand scheme of things here, for making a selfish decision when the artist is making a selfish decision. It works both ways. And good on Rock Nation for saying, hey, look, yeah, we manage you, and here's what you have right here. This is not the best deal for you. And, you know, she's trying to address it. Good on them. But it's hilarious, you know, seeing Rock Nation do this because, like I told y'all weeks ago, you can't always take your advice from the elitist. Because now this elitist big brother up here, Rock Nation, they got all the money. Got a whole lot of money, like A.B., And they're trying to empower their client, yes. But now it's hurting a small business who is practicing what, from what I've heard, is typical business practices in the industry. And I'm not saying it's good business practice overall, not fair business practice overall, but what business practices are fair? I'm trying to exploit you so I can make money, whether it's the consumer or it's my workers. I want to make you feel like you are more important than you are so that I can make as much money as I can. And then I'm going to try to give you enough to make you happy enough to produce for me. And that's what happens 
when you choose to work for somebody. Now, if you want to stay independent, you're not, you don't get all the opportunities, maybe. It's harder to get there, right? You don't have as much resources behind you. You don't get as much push behind you. But you have more freedom. You get a higher percentage of what you reap because you put in a higher percentage into the ground. You know what I'm saying? If you own the farm, you plant it, you get to keep what you want to eat and sell what you want. But if you don't own the farm, you work on the farm, right? Or you are only own one plot on the farm, you only get to reap what comes from your plot. And if I own the farm and I'm renting you a plot, then in order for you to use my good, my good soil, right, use my tractors, right, use my good farm hands, okay, I'm gonna take some of what you, what you, I'm gonna take some of yours because you're eating off me. You see what I'm saying here? So that's all it is. It's just business. And for the people who making fun of Meg, <laughs> I get it. I'm not gonna make fun of her too much. Um, but that's what happens when when you talk shit. So this should be a lesson for you. When you're talking shit, just know once people get an opportunity to throw it back in your face, oh, they coming for you. You talk all that real hot girl shit, all that you 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 finessing these dudes, you scamming them. Ha <laughs> ha! They look forward to the opportunity to throw that back in your face. So just remember, if you're gonna if you're gonna talk crazy at the mouth, be ready to get it back. Um, I don't know why she was on first take today. I saw that clip, and the fact that she didn't know who Mike D'Antoni was just lets me know she only liked the Rockets because she's from Houston, and really because she think she liked James Harden beer, and she probably liked to play in it, and you know maybe she done sat on it. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but but what do I know? So, yeah, let me see. Is there anything else? Okay. Pushing along, pushing along, pushing along. But the, the mad thing, it reminds me of the millennials and Gen Zers who think that the world is supposed to revolve around them. Oh, I want this now, so you got to do it. No, I don't. Absolutely not. I don't have to do anything for you, especially with this contract. It's just like player mobility. It's just like player mobility in the NBA. The only problem is the players who are most mobile have the most leverage. And when you have leverage, you do what you can, which is why LeBron did the, the one-year deals with the one-year options, the two-year deal with the one-year option. Why Kawhi, Paul George, like Pop, why, yeah, why Kawhi did the two-year deal with the one-year option, right, to maintain leverage. But understand that what's happening to Meg is, is not – different from what happens to other people. Look what happened to Wayne and Baby. Baby's supposed to be his his, his daddy, right? And, and, and look what he did to him. Um, listen, look, at, look at the stuff that happened with Rockefeller. Contract stuff happens. Future and Rocco, they were supposed to be family, and Rocco had Future into the, in this deal that was beneficial for Future early. The Future blew up bigger than what we thought he was going to be, and whoopsie there. <laughs> Future had to, you know, come out some bands for Rocco, but Future actually has proven that he's he was worth that payoff to whoever paid all that paid out that money. I still ain't came up with a with a name for um, Young Nigga Church. If anybody's listening and would love to submit a name for what I could call my Tuesday Bible studies, aka Young Nigga Church, that is way more, uh, you know, socially acceptable. I'm all ears. 
But we had an interesting, interesting uh, topic this past week. Really enjoyed it. We had little Richard Sherman up there preaching. And what he talked about is, he was talking about like the true definition of love from the Bible. I'm, I'm not going to give you scripture today, but I'm just going to give you a little synopsis and some thoughts. A person should not merely be a means to an end. And I kind of struggle with this one, but I think the word merely is what is what makes it makes it a bit more palatable for me. Because a person is a means to an end. Everybody in your life is a means to an end. Everybody in my life is a means to an end. And if they're not a means to an end, then you need to get rid of them. Whatever that end may be, good, bad, healthy, toxic, it's, it, it, people are means to an end. But with it being merely a means to an end, I think the idea is there you just shouldn't be using people to satisfy you, right? Y'all should at least satisfy one another, satisfy something for each other for you to have that person in your life. And if that can't be met, then you shouldn't be associated closely. I won't say associated because you can't always help who you're associated with, but you shouldn't have a close association. But I still struggle with it because I don't know if it really changes anything because I truly believe everybody in your life, you keep them there because they provide something for you. And obviously, if they still stick around and deal with you, you provide something for them. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm crazy. But what do I know? I'm just a big mother loving baby. Love my mother. Shout out to Sharon. She's the GOAT. And then I got a great, another great quote was being used is damaging to the essence of who you are. Man, does anything feel worse than being used? Does anything feel worse than being used? Depends on what they <laughs> Let me stop. But it's not permanent damage, right? Because I, I'd go out on a limb and say that being used by people provides some of the best calluses. You know, I like to talk about these calluses. Some of the best calluses so that the next time you're in the gym, you ain't worried about your, 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 your hands busting open when you're lifting them weights. Because once you know what it feels like to be used, for one, it should make you a better person to where you don't want to use anybody else ever again. Because that lowness that you feel, you don't want to put anybody else through that, or you shouldn't. But then also it exposes you to a different side of people because oftentimes we think that everybody's innocent. Everybody has good intentions. Everybody operates in the same vein, the same intentions that we do and they don't. But those experiences let us know that. And then when we navigate through this thing called life, we get the opportunity to see how people truly are. And then... When somebody attempts to use you again, it's like, nah, B, I'm good. Or it's like, okay, I know what your intentions are. And if I'm okay with you, you taking advantage of me or using me, I'm not even being used. I'm just allowing you to get what you need. And I already know the vibes. And lastly, how little piece was like, tell me why. 
you know, like Backstreet Boys. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a heartache. Take me back to my childhood. But anyways, just ask yourself when you're sitting around some people, why am I here? If you're asking yourself why am I here and you can't figure out why you're here or you don't even like the reason why you're here, get up and leave. Just go. And then if you find somebody, you're talking to somebody, and you're like, why are you here? If they can't give you a good answer or you don't like the answer they give you, it's probably time for them to go too or you get up and go. But either way, you shouldn't be uh, meddling around and, and being involved with people who don't provide substance for you and you're not giving them something back in return. You sit in that relationship and it's like, why am I still here? Why am I still dealing with this person? Why am I still dealing with this toxicity? What is the reason? I know one reason why we stay in toxic relationships and it's good sex. Are you okay with that? Are you okay being used? For your, for your organ and not your heart? If you're okay with that, then I mean, who am I to tell you to move on? I've been single since 2013. <laughs> but you should, you know, take that into consideration and make sure that you're not being used and abused and definitely don't use and abuse other people. Let's talk about a little bit of sports, you know. Some of what driven, drove the whole debate debate piece that I talked about earlier was I watch debate shows sometimes just because they're entertaining to me. I don't really go there for true knowledge. And I was listening to Skip and Shannon talk about this Zion versus LeBron debate. And I think there may be a little something there. Zion may be taking the torch and Bron may not be ready to give it up. And as we see with Steph Curry, Giannis, uh, I, I'm not even going to try to say his last name, that he doesn't want to give that up. And some people want to give it to Zion. He's like, nah, be like, that ain't happening. And so there may be a little rivalry there. And the whole Zion choosing CAA over clutch sports, they tried to say that's, that rubbed LeBron the wrong way. LeBron's closest friends were signed to CAA and not clutch sports. I don't think that's a big issue. I don't really think there's a true rivalry there. I think LeBron has immense amount of respect for what Zion has become. And, and Zion, you know he respects who LeBron is, absolutely. But the idea that the media is trying to build this up into a rivalry is just crazy. And it's bad for the people. It, it's just misinformation that's not sourced, that you don't know about, that you shouldn't be spewing. Because some people will take that and run with it, especially younger, more impressionable people. The, the idea that LeBron tried to uh, um, mentor this young kid, and, and he's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to blaze my own path. I doubt that. I just don't – it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, no one's going to beat LeBron because LeBron is a one of one. No one's going to be Zion. Zion is a one of one. Nobody can be anybody else. We're all one of one. We're individuals. But if somebody who's done something that you're aspiring to do and they've done it at the highest level should probably take their advice. Even if somebody done something that you're aspiring to do and they weren't successful, I'd consider their advice because they can tell you their missteps that messed them up. Or you can take what they tried to do and add a little bit more to it. And it may work for you because each situation for each person is different. So I just don't like these these fake these false rivalries that are built in sports. I think LeBron should be the MVP because if you look at the Lakers without him, they're 
average at best. At I mean, at best. Um, Brady's washed. I don't know why anybody wants him. I think I've talked about this multiple times. Hey, Brady, go to Tennessee. I think it gives you your best chance to be great. But um, yeah, out of New England, Belichick, I, I don't blame you. That's a poor Bill Belichick. The, the NFL CB, CBA, man, I think that's something important to talk about because the NFL has the most money hungry owners of any sport. And the NFL probably has the weakest union of any other sport. And that's for many reasons, mainly because there is no healthy alternative. Okay? You have the XFL, that's about it. You have these random arena football leagues that pay nothing. Okay? So in order for these people to maintain the livelihoods that they have, they're stuck in the NFL because most of them have dedicated their entire life to become NFL players. They use college to become NFL players and not to become necessarily productive members of society. Some people, like Marshawn Lynch, used his experiences in college and the NFL to also help him outside of the NFL. And damn you, Princeton students, for not wanting him to come impart some type of wisdom on you. He's providing a different perspective than what most mostly from what you're going to get from your campus, from the people you normally invite, the people who go there. And he's going to help you. And he can help you become a better person because he's highly successful. He did go to Berkeley. I don't know if he graduated, but he went. But back to these money-hungry owners. They want to add an extra game and what and what and the you're like, final offer. Man, look, dog. You don't have a league without me. I know you're billionaires without me, but you don't have a league without me. And I think NFL players should strike if they don't get what they want. But I also think the NFL players got to come together to figure out what it is that they actually want. And more time off and more time to smoke weed ain't it. Yeah, you can get that. But those should not be your major sticking points. You should be more interested in things that have more long-term effects. And I get the weed thing, especially for those of you who use it to medicate. I can understand why you would want to use it longer. I, I can understand why you would want a higher nanogram count for your one drug test and all of that good stuff. I understand that. And I understand why older players, veteran players, want more time off. Now, for one, it's counterproductive to younger players, especially for line play. We see how bad line play has been because of the reduction in practice, the reduction in hit, and, the, and all of this emphasis on player safety. Yeah, owners, we know you don't care about player safety because add another game ain't helping player safety. Add more playoff teams, which means more playoff games, does nothing for player safety. All you're trying to do is raise that annual income to $25 billion. I, 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 Yeah, that's what you're trying to do. But what the players need to try to do is get health care. If you qualify for an NFL pension, you should get lifetime health care. The fact that some of these people don't invest their money well and aren't rich forever, the average career is three years. So everybody's not getting rich off the league. But what you put your body through from recreation, middle school, high school, college, pop warner, flag, NFL, the organization, the institution could at least give you lifelong health care. Yes, I know it's expensive, but you're bringing in, you're raking in billions and billions and billions of dollars. You say you care about player safety. That's on and off the field. That's during and after the career. 
So take care of these players. Please. I mean, for God's sake, Roger Goodell has lifetime access to a private jet and lifetime health care paid for by the NFL owners. What the hell is he doing besides managing egos and, and punishing? So the best thing I heard about a strike was from Brady Papinga today on The Herd. He said, hey, you don't strike in a regular season because there's too many people who have a lot at stake, right? You play out the regular season, and then once the playoffs start, you bring the major players from each team in together, and that's where you strike. You strike the playoffs, and that's where you hit the NFL hard. No playoffs, no Super Bowl, and that's where you can make them. I really think that's where you can break them, and that's where you get what you want. You've already made your money for the season. And if you prepare for this now, you're a year out. You have time to adjust your budgets, get things paid off, sell some stuff, do what you have to do. Get your wife a job, decide girl a job, maybe get your mom's working. You know what I mean? In order to pay for your lifestyle, okay? You know, make some savvy investments. Do what it is that you need to do because these players deserve to be taken care of. And that's it for this week's podcast. Big baby, yeah!